Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Domingo Santana, ooh, I wanna add ya. Tanakas, Fakakta, Jag, like Michael Waka, Polanco, and Bronco. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. Frank Stanfield, Scott White, and Adam Azer is back for our 4th of July extravaganza podcast, where we are going to go over some of the roster stuff that you need to know from the 60-man rosters. We got a lot of news and notes, and of course, your questions. This is our mailbag edition of Fantasy Baseball Today. Adam, it's been a while. How you doing, buddy? It's been a while. It has been a while. I have so much to say. I have so much to say. Uh, Saving it up. I'm just I'm just going to riff. Okay, here we go. Ready? Did a fantasy football podcast. Did the top five patriotic movies. Sandlot checked in at number four for me. Okay, that's number one. Uh, number two, did a head-to-head points mock draft with you guys on June 26th, I believe. I think it was the best draft I've ever had. Unfortunately, it's only a mock, but oh my God, please somebody find a way to publish my team. It is an unbelievable team. Everybody should have a team like mine in a head-to-head points league like that. Uh, number three, did a roto mock draft with you guys just before we're doing this podcast. I have some interesting takeaways of a 15-team roto mock draft. But here are two sort of rankings things for you. This came up in the points league. I think Carlos Correa is the single best value in drafts. I took Aaron Judge like 92nd overall or something in that points league draft last week, which felt like really good value. He just kept dropping. I should have taken Carlos Correa. I think Carlos Correa should go ahead of Aaron Judge. And then tonight I took Kyle Tucker and I said to myself, how can I justify taking Kyle Tucker over Justin Turner? So I'm going to pose those two rankings questions to you guys. Aaron Judge versus Carlos Correa, Kyle Tucker versus Justin Turner. I think I made the wrong decision both times in retrospect. What do you think? I think you should probably not draft either Carlos Correa or Aaron Judge in a shortened season. <laughs> Are we even going to see Aaron Judge? The guy is only hitting off of a tee now. Is he going to be ready for the start they're of the optimistic. season? They're, they're optimistic. They're, yeah. they're very optimistic, I think, oh. is what they said. That makes me feel they great. Sound, they sound more optimistic about Judge than they do about Stanton, quite frankly. They're, they're talking about, even, even though Stanton suffered a grade one calf strain three months ago, they're saying hopefully he'll be able to DH at the start of the year. Uh, but Judd, I mean, like, I have Judge in my busts 2.0, uh, so I acknowledge the risk. But at the same time, like, it's, it's becoming one of those situations where everybody is so scared of him. In this 15-team league, he went in round, uh, he went in round Five, I think it is 67th overall. I took him 92nd. I took him 92nd that, overall. That's pretty late. <laughs> Like right around there in the nineties, in what draft? In the points, the I told you before the oh, show okay. that I had the best points league mock draft ever, and Aaron <laughs> yeah. Judge ninety second overall was part of it. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Carson Kelly's your starting catcher. I'm looking at it right now. I don't know how great this team really is. It's, Adam. He's the only only <laughs> possibly bad player I have on the entire team. It's just. I crushed it. And I have two more takeaways from that draft. Bam, Corey Seager. If you believe in Corey Seager, you can wait really long because nobody's taking backup shortstops. He might be the last shortstop taking. Bam, I took Jonathan VR. I don't even like Jonathan VR. I took Jonathan VR like super late. Let me see what round I took VR in. Round 15. And that, he, I was the last person to take a second baseman. 
That so was I wild. waited at both those positions. I got good players at both second base and shortstop because nobody takes backups at second base or shortstop. Maybe Corey, Corey Seager probably would have gone at some point, but I still was able to wait. When did I get him? Uh, but that my point is nobody takes backups in these shallower leagues. So take advantage of that. I got him and I got Seager in round 12 and VR in round 15. You're very, like a, very relevant. Like we just did. Uh, we just did our Man. shortstop preview 2.0 yesterday, Adam. So lots of Correa talk, lots of Corey Seager talk as well. We're all very excited about Seager. Can't say the same thing about Correa. I think these guys, these guys are excited about him. I just, I can't. No, I, I think the shortened season actually hurts him even more, Adam. Why? He, he's he like stay stay healthy for sixty games. How hard is that? <laughs> oh, you'll see. You'll see how um, hard it is for Carlos Correa. Like Carlos Correa goes way too late for being Carlos Correa. That's what we talked about on the shortstop preview. And and I, I think Chris is, is actually very high on him. It's just he so does Marcus Simeon, so does Corey Seeger. And it's like I'm either taking Marcus Simeon before Carlos Correa goes or I'm taking Corey Seeger after he goes. So it's just it's just it's it's just shortstop is crazy. Uh can you tell me who you take, Kyle Tucker or Justin Turner? I would take well, especially in a Roto League. Well, I think either way, I'd take Kyle Tucker. Like, I'm not confident in how Justin Turner's playing time's going to shake out. It Justin Turner's playing time seems like potentially more problematic than Kyle Tucker's. Even with a DH? Uh, I, I well, that's a good point. Um, I guess Muncie could play more third base and maybe keep Justin Turner's bat in the lineup. But he's still yeah, going to get those days I, off. I, though. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. Like. Because that's that's what we're thinking about with Ryan Braun and Howie Kendrick, right? They are both at a point in their careers where they get maintenance days off, but that's that's in a full length season where there is no DH. So shortening the season with the DH does that mean they get to play virtually every day? Maybe I just, I just took Ryan Braun in the 15 team league. I'm telling you guys. But my point fire. is, I have my point is, I think Justin light. Turner's entering that phase of his career, yeah. while Kyle Tucker, <laughs> it might take him a little while to prove he needs to be starting every day over Reddick. But once it happens, like you can just cruise with him. Yeah, I would take Kyle Tucker over Justin Turner as well. You heard Adam mention this little ray of light that's over his head. That's why you need to watch <laughs> us on our Fantasy Baseball Today YouTube channel because. Look, Adam is the angel sent from above, the fantasy baseball angel, the way that this guy has been drafting. And, of course, I have uh, my nifty American cowboy hat on here. Mm -hmm. So this is what you're missing out on if you're not watching on Fantasy Baseball Today on our YouTube channel, of course. Um, All right, guys, let's get into the 60-man roster breakdown. I mean, we're not going to go too deep into it, but just should mention some of the prospects that caught our eye here. Scott, I know that you've wrote a few articles regarding... um, what's going to happen here with the 60-man rosters. And it's just worth noting, if you have any concern about what the service time issue is going to be for the season, you also highlighted that, Scott. So Jeff Passan notes um, on a writer's block podcast that if the Blue Jays hold Nate Pearson down for seven days, then they'll get the extra year of control. Um, Is that something that you're actually... Expecting? Are you expecting a lot of teams to hold these prospects down for the first week of the season and then kind of call everybody up? This isn't something that's been widely reported. Frankly, I wanted to find more verification on it because it seems like something that uh, should be more should be more widely reported. Frankly, but and in, in you you shared with me a tweet from Jeff Fletcher, an Angels beat writer for the Orange County Register, that he pointed out that. Uh, the likelihood of a new CBA next year. Um, you don't know what the rules of that are going to be. How dedicated, how devoted should you be to preserving service time anyway? I mean, that's a fair point. I, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know how a lot of this season is going to play out. Nobody does. Uh, if it really is just a turn through the rotation, I think this is especially uh, notable with starting pitchers because you're talking about just a single turn through the rotation. If the, if the, Blue Jays can skip Nate Pearson or the Padres can skip McKenzie Gore or whatever else, just that one turn and pick up another year of service time. Seems kind of dumb for them not to do it. Right. Um, so I, I don't know that I go as far as to say I expect it, but I, I think you need to be on guard for it just because a player doesn't make that initial 30 man roster on opening day. Doesn't mean he isn't in the team's, immediate plans there will be mid-season call-ups still it it sounds like uh, despite all the trickiness involved with that 
And a reminder that for the season, teams will have a 60-man roster and they'll start off with a 30-man active roster of players. And then two weeks into the season, that'll be cut down to 28. And then two more weeks after that, it'll be cut down to 26, which was expected to be the normal active roster size uh, even before the delayed season. So about a month into this season, around you know late August, uh, every team will be cut down to 26 man to a 26 man active yeah. roster but again they can they can grab players from that 60 man roster and make moves if they need to right scott yes it's some of the terminology is still being sorted out but they're calling them 60 man player pools and okay it, and it basically includes the 40 man roster plus 20 non-roster players uh and you know once once uh teams break camp and the season's ready to begin 30 of the 60 will go to the, to a nearby minor league venue and, and scrimmage and stuff there. Uh, some of them are already there. Some of them weren't even invited to make major league camp. Most notably, Aristides Aquino. That was the most obvious example of a guy we thought would at least be in the running for a major league job. He's not even at major league camp right now. He is in the 60-player pool, so there's a good chance he contributes at some point this year. But without an IL stint, IL stint it, it probably won't be from the start. And the... The detail you noted about 30 players for two weeks, 28 for two weeks, and then 26, this, what was going to be the normal roster size for the rest of the season. Like that, that was kind of surprising in itself because we kept thinking expanded rosters, expanded rosters. Look at it's going to create these opportunities for prospects who might not get called up otherwise. Well, it's they're not going to be expanded for that long. And it's going to be the stretch of the season where basically teams are just going to carry extra pitchers because their starting starters didn't get a chance to stretch out like normal. So it's the expanded rosters part of things isn't really going to help, uh, help with prospects breaking in. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Again, remember like pitchers early on in the season, a lot of GMs have already come out and said like three to four innings the first time through the rotation, you know, maybe the first couple of times through. Uh, and because of that, they're going to have more relievers on the roster. It's not necessarily going to go to prospects. But speaking of prospects, here are some names that are on the 60-man player pools for their respective teams. Nick Madrigal and Michael Kopech for the White Sox, Forrest Whitley, Joe Adele of the Angels, Dustin May with the Dodgers, Monty Harrison and Jazz Chisholm of the Miami Marlins, Spencer Howard and Alec Baum for the Phillies, Mackenzie Gore, Luis Patino of the Padres, Joey Bart with the Giants, and then, of course, Nate Pearson of the Blue Jays. Scott, this is pretty much all expected, right? There aren't really any surprises here in terms of being on the 60-man roster, right? Yeah. I mean, my my presumption heading into this, this, uh, these, this, this, this time where teams are going to be submitting the lists of names for their 60 man player pools was that it was going to be all the top prospects on the team. Uh, obviously the ones already on the 40 man roster, but even, you know, the ones that weren't, they get 20 non roster spots. How many, how deep are organizations and, and, and genuine prospects like real assets that they want to further the development of, because that's, that's half of what these, uh, these minor league player pools are for is, Yes, give your team a reserve squad to to uh, to fill in as necessary, but also further the development of your best your your uh, your organ some of your organization's best assets. But there were some no notable prospects that were left off, and for 2020 purposes, the most notable of all, I think, was Ryan Mountcastle, who um, MVP of the International League last year, probably. Like just based on performance, deserved to get called up, but playing for the Orioles, it's like, why not just wait until next year? So my assumption was he'd be up pretty early this year. Um, and the thing is, most of these teams' lists are incomplete. The Orioles are one especially that just didn't fill out many of those 60 spots. They only filled out, I think, 44. Well, they probably so, just don't have enough players, you know, Scott? Like, maybe you and I can make it onto the Orioles roster, you know? It, it, <laughs> Maybe, but <laughs> no, they actually they actually the left hell? off basically <laughs> all their top prospects. They left off Adley Rushman and uh, who's that guy they got from the Dodgers in the Manny Machado deal that outfield. Use Neil Diaz. Yeah, that guy. They, uh, Dean Kramer, who also came over in that deal and, and was expected to break through at some point this year. Like, none of them are there, so they're, they're going to be added. But 
since they're not added yet, they're not in major league camp. And if Ryan Mountcastle isn't, isn't even participating in major league camp for a team that has really no hope of competing this year, why are they going to call him up later? It's still possible they will. Again, I don't really know how this is going to play out, but I'm, I am, uh, I'm genuinely concerned about Ryan Mountcastle's chances of contributing this year. Adam Mazur's here. Hey, Adam. How you doing? Almost forgot oh, about you for a second. You're, guys, you're a big you know, prospect Nick, guru. Nick Madrigal went way too late. He went, uh, did the, had my calculate 343rd overall in the draft that we just did, 15-team Roto League. That was way yeah. too late. I remember thinking when it happened, I was like, that's when I thought, I commented in the chat room. I was like, I just said out loud to myself, why am I so bad at this? And that was what I was reacting to. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I had the pick before Nick Magical went, but Scott actually made that pick for me. I made, we had 25 rounds. I made, oh no, we had with 30 rounds. I made 28 picks. Scott made two of them. And he didn't have my cue, but I had Nick Madrigal. Like that was probably the guy I wanted. Um, just let it, left it on autopilot. Yeah, yeah, but uh, he did not take Matt. He actually took Stephen Matz, who was also in my queue. That's fine. But um, yeah, that you know, and especially in a in a league like this, it makes sense to swing for upside. Those are the guys that could. I don't know if he's a league winner, but Scott mentioned in Tout Wars fifteen team team fifteen team league like three years ago. He had Aaron Judge, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I drafted Aaron Judge with my second to last pick, and in, in what right. was also a fifteen team roto league, um, and that's. You know, I've done that a lot in Tout Wars. Just if it wasn't a guy I drafted late, it was a guy I picked up weeks before he got called up and he just exploded. So that's, I I do believe in that generally uh, in this sort of in this sort of league where like you get to the end of the draft, you're filling out your bench spots in a 15 team league, and you're, it's like it's really it's scrubs, you know, it's it's guys who have playing time. I drafted Harrison Bader. Think about that. Yeah, that was almost the <laughs> example I used. Um, but this is one of the ways that I'm not sure how to really attack a 60-game season because the presumption when you do that is, okay, these guys aren't going to help me right away, these upside guys, but eventually they will. And if it happens early enough in the year that I haven't had to move on from them yet, it could you know, it could be a huge impact. Um, but early in the year would be like two months in and two months is all we're getting <laughs> this year. So like if a guy doesn't have a job yet, what are the, like how confident can you be no matter how good he is that he will at some point? Uh, and yeah. I, I would say not very confident. I One example, I, with my very last pick, I in you know March, I would have probably taken Nate Lowe I was excited about Nate Lowe for the Rays, but there's no clear path to playing time for him. So I took Jesus Aguilar instead, who appears to have a full-time job with the Marlins. And, you know, still kind of an upside play based on what he did two years ago. Uh, but that that was me updating immediacy. Um, I'm sorry, emphasizing immediacy in a way I wouldn't have three months ago. Let me tell you something I did with one of my reserve picks in this 15-team Roto draft. Something Scott White would never do. He probably hates it. Uh, I handcuffed one of my closers because like you cannot find a lot of closers on waivers and um, you, you'd be lucky to have two good closers in this league. Right. So I have a role, this Chapman and Archie Bradley. So I took Zach Britton in like the 28th round or something like that. Cause I believe that would be the guy that would step in and get the saves if Chapman got hurt and Britton himself is, is good. You know, he'll give you not a ton of strikeouts, but he'll give you good ERA, good whip. Um, so I could use him, but I look, if you're, if your closer goes down in a 15 team Roto league, you're in a lot of trouble and you know, people would bid aggressively for Zach Britton. So something you can do if they really, you just can't figure out who to draft. Think about handcuffing your closer. If, if it's a good enough, like I'm not going to handcuff Archie Bradley, but I could, I could do it with Chapman. I like it. I, I like that call a lot. I think you can try and do it with the Mets, too, if you take Edwin Diaz. We don't know necessarily who the next man up is, but take one of Lugo or Dylan Batances. I think you could take Nick Anderson and Jose Alvarado or Diego Castillo. Those guys just go super late, too. Um, I was going to take Will Smith. I think you took him, Adam. I did. I took him. I took Melanson, uh, so I was going to take Melanson and Will Smith together. Oh, just, well, you took Oberg. You, should, you took Oberg, and then I took Smith with the next pick, I think. No, I right? took Wade Davis. 
Oh, you took Wade Davis. Oh, okay, that's right. That's right. You, you took know. Wade. You took the crappy guy who's the closer for the. <laughs> oh yeah, the Rockies. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> ten saves and a five ERA. Let's go. <laughs> crappy closers have less time to lose their jobs. That's I. I, I honestly think uh, Will Smith and Scott Oberg were two of the players who lost the most value with the season being shortened to sixty games. I didn't take Will Smith for saves. I took him for ratios and sure. for, you know, three saves. Might make a point or two in Roto. Who knows? And there's still a chance he gets the job at some point. But No, yeah. this is the year more than ever that I'm more likely to draft a reliever just to help my ratios in a Roto League because if starting pitchers are not going that deep into games, you can have those relievers help you out a little bit with the ERA, the whip, and add a little bit of strikeouts as well. So I'm more likely to do that now this year than ever before. News and notes. We have a lot to hit on here, so let's jump right in. Scott Kingery, Tommy Hunter, Hector Neris, and Ranger Suarez were all placed on the COVID-19 injured list. I don't think that that was supposed to be made public, but it was. And now we have confirmation that those four are on that list. It can be made public if the player says it's okay. Okay. So I'm I'm assuming they did. Um, But... Uh, yeah, I mean the the it do, if they're placed on the COVID nineteen IL, it doesn't necessarily mean they've tested positive. They can just have symptoms. They can just have come into contact with somebody who has it. Uh, so that's important to keep in mind. We don't yeah. we don't really know the exact status of any of these players, and uh, it, it, we we obviously don't know um, what kind of timetable we're looking at for them either. Might. My presumption for anybody who goes on this COVID-19 IL or even, you know, is just suspected to be on the IL for that reason, I'm going to assume a short-term stay unless unless I have genuine reason to believe otherwise. Like short-term like what? Uh, two weeks. Oh, no. I, I well, mean, that's two huge. Weeks, two weeks it? would be the absolute minimum, I would think. Yeah. And you, you, Frank, you can go ahead with what your, your note. Yeah, so Mets manager Luis Rojas was asked about COVID-positive players, and he had this to say, it will likely require a minimum three-week ramp-up for that player to return to active duty, end quote. Uh, Essentially, a positive test would cost a player one-third of the regular season, even if he recovers quickly, so... I, One manager's look, opinion. But. We don't. Yeah, I mean, we don't know if these <laughs> these players actually tested positive, like you said, Scott. Yeah. But I mean, if they did, then we might not. We're three weeks away from opening day. Basically, they might not be ready by then. So I've got to yeah. pose the question, Scott: Is it Alec bomb time or what? <laughs> uh, it didn't seem like in this mock draft Scott Kingery fell at all, and I haven't been compelled to move him down. I think. Because it's one thing to say they'll need a three-week ramp-up period, but what does that even mean when you can't go on a minor league rehab assignment? You can go down to the minor league pool and I guess take you know whatever form of at bats you get there. But when it in a season that that's that's that short, wouldn't the team just rather have the guy back, you know, and and let him kind of get back in the swing of things? But it might be part of the safety protocol, Scott, where. If you did come in contact, they want you to be quarantined for two weeks. I don't think it is. Can I can I jump in here? Because I'm just reading uh, on Philly.com and the Inquirer a few things. Well, first of all, you got to keep in mind, the Phillies, we knew that some players tested positive two weeks ago, something like that. Yep. So this could, be th- this could be those players, or at least some of those players, um, which means, which would be a good thing for their recovery. Now, also, it's obviously really awkward to talk about this in terms of, well, when are they going to get back for our fantasy teams? It's sort of the reality of the situation. So I'm sorry about that, but it's, you know, it's what we're doing. And obviously we assume that they're all going to be fine. Some of them are going to have worse symptoms than others. Some of them are going to have longer recoveries. Now, you just mentioned what the Mets coach said, uh, Luis Rojas, Mets manager. This is coming right from Inquirer.com. Girardi said he agreed with Mets manager Luis Rojas, who told reporters that a player would need at least three weeks to recover following a positive test. Quote from Girardi, quote, if you're quarantined for 14 days, you're probably not feeling great and you're probably not going to be doing a lot of things in either your hotel room or your small apartment. I guess you could put the mattress against the wall and throw it against the, the mattress, but you're not going to be doing much. So it's going to take time to get them back in baseball shape. And that's probably why his thinking was three weeks. So there's that. Yeah, it's because some people... Correct me if I'm wrong, but the majority of people in this age group who have 
who test positive don't have symptoms at all, right? I mean, they're not even necessarily feeling bad. So I don't I, know. Right. I don't know. I would assume that most baseball players would not have symptoms. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I mean, maybe look, I, I especially worry about Naris making a quick return because, uh, you know, he's a pitcher obviously. And that, you know, maintaining arm is, is, is much bigger deal than just getting your timing down. I think, um, so it's, it's possible they could both be on the IL for the start of the season. Uh, I, I did downgrade Naris a little. I didn't downgrade Kingery yet. But I reserve the right to change my mind if he's, <laughs> if he's not back training with the team as, uh, as opening day approaches. All right, Scott. I've got a multiple choice question for you. The first save opportunity for the Phillies this season will go to A, Nick Pavetta. B, Vince Velasquez. C, Bud Norris. D, Hector Naris. Bud Norris is still around, huh? <laughs> I just pulled up their Fangraphs uh, roster resource page, and yep, he's on the roster. I mean, if, if you're saying Naris versus the field, I would take the field. But if you're limiting me to those four pitchers, I'm going to take Naris. <laughs> All right, you know, so- I think I think Velasquez and Pavetta make sense to be sort of piggyback guys in the rotation. Yeah. Otherwise, I would say Velasquez. I I looked at Pavetta and Velasquez, their game logs as relievers. Pavetta spent much of the year as a reliever. It wasn't that good. Um, Velasquez pitched a little bit in relief, something like 10 appearances. He had one really terrible one. And other than that, he was very good. So that's a guy who's always had a limited arsenal that I could see being pretty good in a one-inning role. And I, I guess I'd go with Velasquez. I don't think Bud Norris would be very good, even though he was okay last year. So you're you're not like as I own Nick I own Hector Neris in one of the leagues that we've already done. I'll put in bids. I probably will put in a one dollar bid for. Um, although I guess it's only two months, probably be a little bit more aggressive with your Fab budget, huh? But I, I would still put maybe a one dollar bid in for Vince Velasquez or something like that. But I think I'm just going to ride it out um, and assume that Neris won't miss that much time. Jordan Hicks, recovering from Tommy John surgery, will begin the season on the Cardinals' injured list. Scott, give yourself a pat on the back, man. Giovanni Gallegos. Well, we don't know for sure yet that he's going to be the guy, but... Wait, I got this. That's me celebrating. <laughs> That's Scott celebrating. Lego my Gallegos. Of course, a 2-3-1 ERA and a 0.81 whip last year. Zero- what are these things called, by the way? One of those, like... I call them, like, lizard tongue things because they unwrap... You blow into them and they, like, unroll like a lizard tongue. I have... Know? I, yeah, I don't know what they're called. I have been alive yeah. for 28 years, and I don't know what those things are called. <laughs> but I have probably used one every year of my life on New Year's Day. Or yeah. New Year's Eve, rather, I guess. Um, yeah, I pulled this one out for the 4th of July. But uh, but yeah, um, you were asking me about Gallegos, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems um, much more likely now that he's at least the guy to start. To start. It, it, it does. I mean, yeah, I... I I was starting to worry that Jordan Hicks would at least be there. I wasn't that concerned that he would be in a position to get the, the team's first save. I do think it's still a question if uh, if they ultimately want Jordan Hicks regaining it, would they just go committee from the start? But like nobody in that bullpen, nobody else in that bullpen except for maybe Hicks is as good as Gallegos, and it would be dumb too. So as far as I'm concerned, Lego my Gallegos. Uh, they are called blowouts, by the way. Blowouts. 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 Yeah. Never heard that before. Yeah, nobody has, but that's what I'm seeing. <laughs> blowouts. I, I mean, I've I've only heard, you know, the hair on the Jersey Shore referred to as a blowout. Adam, you'd probably have a great blowout, by the way. Can you just oh, come probably. on here one day with, like, hair gel and a little blow dryer? Oh, gosh. I, I just let my hair do what it does. Ha, have you ever done that? <laughs> no, I've never done Did you ever use that. hair gel with, like, the spikes or anything? No, I use hair manipulator, bedhead. You know, it's like the wax, yeah, the dry yeah. hair. I don't do hair gel. Ah, too bad. Yeah, my hair's too thick. Wouldn't look good. Rays manager Kevin Cash said Blake Snell looked, quote, awesome during a Tuesday bullpen session at Tropicana Field. Does this matter at all? No. Nope. Fair enough. <laughs> Padres acquired infielder Jorge Mateo from the Athletics for a player to be named later. Can he overtake Jerks and Profar? Does this matter? It's possible. Jorge Mateo, I feel like, has been in the prospect 
discussion for like six years. Uh, started with the Yankees, then went, went to the A's and uh, just still hasn't gotten a chance. He's out of options, which is why they had to trade him. Uh, he can he can steal bases, though he doesn't. You know, the last couple of years, he hasn't run as much as he did early in his career. And the, I don't know. Minor league track record is so inconsistent. It was pretty good last year, but it was in the juice ball inflated PCL, hit 289 with an 834 OPS. Like, I, I just don't think Jorge Mateo's that good. I'm skeptical Jerickson Profar's that good, too. Um, and there's a chance Jorge Mateo, since he has infield outfield experience, just makes the team as a super utility player. But, like, I'm not... I'm not that enthusiastic about this. I don't I don't think his options really opened up with this trade. Jose Quintana required surgery on his left thumb after getting hurt washing his dishes at home. You can't make this stuff up. Only baseball players find the craziest ways to get hurt, and he won't resume his throwing program for another two weeks. That means Tyler Chatwood is basically 100% in the rotation, and it looks like Alec Mills is the favorite for the fifth starter job. When it comes to the Yankees, James Paxton appears game-ready. Tap-hap AMC intact there. Giancarlo Stanton will be a DH only. Surprise, surprise. Yankees that's, injuries. That's a relevant one for Miguel Andujar. Not good for him. Uh, yeah. Though Joe Girardi did say... Or, it's Joe Girardi, I, Aaron Boone. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> did say he's confident based on what he saw in spring training what? that Andujar would be fine in the outfield. It's ridiculous. So. Yeah, I he's watched... their fifth outfielder. He was quite why bad up there. Why would he ever play the outfield when they have... Hicks, Gardner, Judge, and Talkman, and Stanton. I mean, technically, he's their sixth outfielder. So, are you are you really confident, Hick, Hicks and Gardner? I think I think that uh, Andujar's a better hitter than both. Oh, maybe. Well, he's a better hitter than Gardner. He well, he might be. He's he better be, than both. But, but he's the you know a terrible defender. So if he can't DH. And, you know, Stanton's not coming out of the lineup for Andujar. And I also don't, like, they're not saying Stanton is just going to be a DH this year. That's just, they're hoping that's what he's ready to do on opening day, right? Yes. Yeah. I think it's probably, if he's not ready yet, he's like, he's going to get hurt again. It's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing has changed. It's July 2nd. The Yankees, of course, are optimistic on Aaron Judge. Chris isn't here to defend... Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, that would just, uh, that would be I'm like sure a ten minutes. I'm discussion just going to represent him. Hey guys, Giancarlo Stanton, he's amazing. <laughs> right, that's my Chris. That's his contribution to the show. Uh, baby watch, not Baywatch. I'm going to make Baby Watch a thing here on the show. We knew about Trout and Garrett Cole. Apparently, Zach Wheeler's wife is due in July, and Brian Reynolds's wife is due in September. Someone who I'm excited <laughs> about. Um, Adam, you texted us about the whole pregnancy situation with COVID over the weekend, if you just want to touch on it quickly. Yeah. Well, this is of course one or two days after I said, you know, that I, my wife was pregnant, uh, gave birth on in late May. And we didn't think that she was really any more vulnerable to the virus. Our, our doctors told us that she's more vulnerable. She was more vulnerable just because, you know, pregnant women are just more vulnerable because their immune systems are down, but it didn't seem like a huge deal. But then, like the day or two after I said that on the podcast, um, the report came out. I think it was the CDC. I mean, it wasn't like a newspaper report, like legit report. Pregnant women are a lot more likely to go to the hot to be hospitalized if they get COVID. So this is a big deal. Now they don't; their mortality rate wasn't higher. So I guess they've been treated, and you know that's been good. But a lot more likely. I think it was something like six times more likely to go to the hospital. So it's a big deal, um, a bigger deal than I thought. Probably shouldn't be completely discounted. And quite frankly, I am so glad that I had not read that. That did not come out while my wife was pregnant because I would have freaked out. <laughs> um, and I would have not played baseball, probably, honestly. So I could see total justification for somebody to uh, stay home. I'm, of course, I'm not speculating on anything. Joe Madden's already said Mike Trout plans on playing. But it's not something that you should just completely discount anymore based on the data that I saw that was widely published. Yeah, again, those names are Mike Trout, Garrett Cole, Zach Wheeler, and Brian Reynolds. So just keep that in mind, in the back of your mind, uh, when it comes to this season. I want to quickly promote the Fantasy Baseball Commissioner product. It is free for the entire season. 
We've talked about it all week long. I said it was $150 value. No, this is $180 value normally, and it is free for the season. A lot of people have been asking us, how do I play double headers? How do I play triple headers? This is the way to do it with the CBSSports.com Fantasy Baseball Commissioner product. It is free for the entirety of the 2020 season. So many things that you could customize. Scott, I know that you could speak more to that. You have been able to create your dream dynasty league using the Commissioner product, and now it's free for everybody. I have, yes, and I, I'm not confident I would have been able to do it exactly the way I wanted to on anywhere else. I mean, the, the level of customization, frankly, I'm not even sure uh, as many leagues as I've set up on CBS over uh, pro- close to 20 years now. I'm, I'm not even sure I know everything it's capable of doing. So it would, it would be fun just to pour over the, the options for the first time, I think, and it's free i mean why not why not experiment and do these crazy ideas you've been dreaming up and just thought you didn't have the platform that was capable of it or at least one that was too costly and uh you may like it so much you you come back next year and you make cbs your permanent home for fantasy baseball mm. you know what Even they say you don't want to get crazy by the way you don't have to do it's not just for crazy sure. leagues that do customizable things like you just want to play 12-team head-to-head and, you know, have it basically pretty normal. Mm-hmm. The projections, the way to find free agents, the most added, most traded, most dropped, uh, most owned list, most activated, like those things are just really useful. So give now's the time. Give it a shot. You know what they say. If it's free, it's for me. Or at least I say that. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will get into your questions. The main reason you're here, our mailbag, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Take a quick break. We'll be back right here, Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Baseball Today. Frank here with Adam and Scott. We're going to jump right into the questions. We're going to answer those Apple Podcast review questions first and foremost. This one comes from Canon for 12-team dynasty head-to-head categories with batting average and OBP. I give away Alex Bregman. Oh, no, I get Alex Bregman for my Rafael Devers dynasty with OBP. This seems like a no-brainer. I understand Rafael Devers is two and a half years younger, and I love Rafael Devers. But especially with OBP, I think you have to take Alex Bregman, Scott. Yeah, he's got most of his prime left still. I think he's 26. Yep. And profile that'll age well. And, and yeah, I mean, in terms of how much these two players walk, that's, prob- walk, that's probably the biggest difference between the two. So I um, stick with, yeah, no, make the trade and give up Devers for Bregman. A 6.8% walk rate for Devers last year versus, wait for it, a 17% walk rate for Alex Bregman. Uh, Adam, you agree? Oh, absolutely. I was I was surprised that it was so easy for you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I just Once I heard you were like all in, I was like, okay, yeah. then I'm making the right decision. It's Bregman. Uh, I love that I've become the Raphael Devers guy. I love him. He's the best. All right, except no, not over uh, Alex Bregman, of course. Uh, this, <laughs> this next one's from Jeff in New Jersey. I've got Garrett Cole for $33, Cody Bellinger for $33, Anthony Rendon for $18, Pete Alonzo for 7 bucks. I can only keep three. A 12-team head-to-head points league. 
where the keeper cost increases $5 every year. You keep Cole, Rendon, and Alonzo. Yep. I actually answered this question, and that's exactly what I said. Sorry. So does that mean, but, Scott, that means you're taking Cole over Bellinger? Yes. That seems weird, right? Because I rank Bellinger ahead of Cole. And um, it's a keeper league, and Bellinger is a lot so younger, young. Right? But, yeah, I mean, I just... He's already at 33. He's going to be 38 next year, 43 the year after that. I know I know. Pr- because of cheap keepers, prices can get inflated, but every team's only keeping three keepers, so I don't think that effect will be so drastic in this league. And Plus, he Cole, has two I just, other hitters, so yeah. Yeah, Cole, I just think you have to keep because of the scarcity of high-end pitchers and how important they are this year, and I don't have a clue how many every other team is keeping, so I don't even know what's going to be left for you if you don't keep Cole. Um it would be a close call maybe between Bellinger and the $7 Alonzo, but I think I'd keep Alonzo. Adam, what do you think? You agree? Thumbs up. Jamesies. This next one's from Bryce. One, two, three, four, six. This is my That's first. It's amazing. I got the same combination on my luggage. You don't get that. You're too no, I, I, okay. <laughs> Way over the head. This is my first year playing in a competitive fantasy baseball league. Probably not. Uh, well, Yes, we welcome you to Fantasy Baseball. Uh, an eight-team, five-by-five Roto League. Does the fact that the league is smaller than average have an effect on what positions I should focus on uh, at different parts of the draft? For example, do I try to snag Real Muto since he has a bigger positional advantage than most other positions? Yeah, you have to make sure that every, as much as you can help it, every position is you're getting as the maximum impact possible. You have to distinguish yourself from the competition and the shallower your league is, the harder that is to do. Um, So, you know, getting Matt Chapman as your third baseman very likely means you have the worst third baseman. Uh, So you've got to really pay attention to where those teardrops are and not just settle for the biggest tier uh, because the biggest tier is probably going to put you at the bottom of the league at, at that position. So I think Real Muto, when there's a, um, when you can get the projected number one player at a position for you know that many rounds into the draft, you have to make that a priority. You're not even having to sacrifice an early pick to do it. Uh, not an especially early pick anyway. And I think if you don't get real Muto, then you're you you got to be sure you get Mitch Garver because I think that's the of the remaining catchers, that's the one that has the best chance of really distinguishing you from your competition. So that's. Not That's Gary a priority Sanchez. in that format. What Not about Sanchez? Gary Sanchez? Yeah. Uh, Sanchez too. Uh, one of those three. One of those three. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like even Wilson Contreras or Yasmani Grandal would feel like a bit of a compromise. Uh, yeah. So, and you might not have to go as heavy after starting pitcher early just because there's going to be more of those high end guys to go around. So that would be a way of assuring yourselves, yourself, uh, true difference makers in an 18 context at those other positions. Yeah. By the way, I want to backtrack. I changed my mind. I would keep $33 Bellinger over $7 Pete Alonzo. So you would go, I would not, you would go Cole Bellinger Rendon. Cole for 33 Bellinger for 33 Rendon for 18. Yes. Because I don't think you have to be so focused on, a, on the long term when it's a 12 team league with only three keepers per team. There's going to be a lot of turnover there from year to year. Go for as much impact as you can this year. And it's still a dis- like you're still getting Cole and Bellinger for cheaper than you would if you were just auctioning from scratch. So that that is the bigger factor mm-hmm. for me than exactly how much cheaper you're getting than than four versus Pete Alonzo. Like I'm I'm confident Bellinger's gonna make a bigger impact, especially in a points league, than Alonzo will. You're getting yeah, a big I'm old thumbs down too. from Adam. And it's worth it. It's worth the upcharge. I, I'm confident that Bellinger will be better than Alonzo too, but you can probably get a pretty good player for $26. That's you can, the difference between the two of them. Remember how our head, were you in our head-to-head points auction? Like no. some stud hitters were going for less than $10 because people had to distribute, like people paid up so much for the studs and, and up so much for starting pitchers. And I'm just imagining right. it playing out similarly in this league. Like, so you keep, you keep Cole, you keep, Rendon, you keep Alonzo, and then you spend those 26 bucks on a stud starting pitcher, say Luis Castillo, something like that. I would rather have Alonzo and Castillo than Bellinger. I mean, it kind of goes with, to what I was saying for this 18-team eight league. It's not 
you know, eight teams is much shallower, so it applies even more so for it. But 12-team head-to-head points league is still a pretty shallow league. Like, you, you, want, you want as many difference makers as you could get. And I, I feel like Bellinger is more that than Alonzo. Alonzo might be similar to a lot of first basemen that are out there, as we've talked about every That's time. That's not we've the argument. You're Alonso. right. You're right about that. But it's let's say it's Luis Castillo. What I think would be realistic for $26 if Cole went for 33 But But I gave up Bellinger to get Luis Castillo. And, and, and Alonzo. Just well, yeah, but I'm saying you could, you could replace $7 Alonzo a lot easier than you could replace $33 Cody Bellinger. Like a lot of high-end players in a head-to-head points auction are going to go for less than $10. I want to know what Frankie Stamps has to say. Yeah, I agree with you, Adam. I would uh, I would leave Bellinger out of this mix here. And look, I just think the difference between you save twenty six dollars. Look, there a lot of the players are going to be inflated in a keeper auction because you're so many guys are going for cheap. So you're going to need those extra dollars to spend in the auction. So that's what I would do. I would leave Bellinger out of the mix there. Uh, this next one's from Daniel in Philly. I'd like your thoughts on a few things. First, what is your RP strategy, relief pitcher strategy in a points league? I actually have Adams, you know, his the, the greatest head-to-head it points is. league that he ever <laughs> yeah. team that he ever drafted. And he's got Carlos Carrasco and Julio Arias as his relief pitchers. Are Sparks still and, as valuable this year, though, Adam? And I have Sean Doolittle as well. So I could swing one of those guys into my rotation. Um, are they still as valuable this year? Yeah, if you get the right ones. But what if they're not pitching deep into games? You know, I mean, you're not going to get quality stars. That's the thing. That's the thing. Like, I don't buy that that's going to happen after the first few times through the rotation, especially with Carlos Carrasco. With Julio Arias, sure. With Carrasco, like, if he's right, yeah, he's pitching deep into games. He's going six innings at least. He's he's a great pitcher. So I'm fine. Get at least one spark. For as long as it's happening, though, whether it's one turn, two turn, or five turns, you know, pitcher getting pulled early, you're going to want to start a closer instead than, than a Sparp who's, who's stuck in that situation where he can't get a win or a quality start. Uh, there's just the, the, the point potential for a closer is definitely better. Uh, and Arias specifically, I worry that's going to be his situation all year. The Dodgers are just going to piggyback him. He'll have a few five-inning starts. I'd like to raise my hand and jump in here. Let me okay, tell you why. Ahead. Let me tell you why this was a brilliant strategy on my part. Uh, looking at this league, okay, I have Steven Matz and some other whatever starting pitcher on my bench and probably a hitter I could drop. Archie Bradley, Keone Kella, Alex Colome, Mark Melanson, Ian Kennedy, all available on waivers. So you can draft two Sparps and two relief pitchers, and you could use those Sparps in your rotation if you want, or you could put them on your bench temporarily. Arias and Carrasco, yes. But there are a lot of Sparps out there who begin the year RP only. And now they're going to have to go half the year before they pick up SP eligibility. So that's okay. That's right. not even true for a lot. I'm not saying you, you were wrong to do what you did. It may, it may work out great for you. I'm just saying Sparps lose value now in a 60-game season. And uh, closers gain value. I still think when you only have two relief pitcher spots to fill, there's plenty of closers to go around. So there's no reason in this format, head-to-head points, to spend up for closers. Um, you know, Doolittle seems a little sketchy to me. But, you know, Brandon Workman or... Like, I, I don't really care which closer I get as long as I'm confident he's getting saves consistently. Uh and so that probably means I am paying more for Sparps, but Sparps, I'm approaching them with less gusto than I would have than I was back in March. Ken Maeda is a priority for me in all drafts right now, but specifically in head-to-head points leagues where he does have that Sparp eligibility. So I'd make sure to get Ken Maeda on my team if I were you, Daniel. His second question, is Michael Fulmer a sleeper now, Scott? I don't think he got drafted in our 15-team or even. Uh and more likely to get drafted in a points league, I guess, because all starting pitchers are. I, I've said before, I think he has like Marcus Stroman type upside. So you put Marcus Stroman on the Tigers, and you know that that's the best case scenario for for Fulmer. Not even the most likely one necessarily, and I, I'm just not that interested. But not going to get many wins I, there. 
Yeah, I, I could see him being somebody you pick up on waivers and, and, you know, ends up being a pretty useful option for somebody. I'm just not that motivated to invest draft capital in him. Adam, this next one's for you. Thoughts on Ryan McMahon and Lourdes Gurriel in a points league? Uh, McMahon, not so much. Gurriel, yeah, I, I mean, that's somebody that was kind of off my radar when we started this whole process uh, five months ago. <laughs> And uh, now, like, you know, I think Chris has made a pretty good case for him. He was better than I realized last year. I don't draft him in a just a regular 12-team points league with five bench spots. But he'd be on my radar as an early waiver wire pickup. And if it's a deeper league, sure. McMahon, I am very skeptical that he's going to be worth looking at if he's not playing six home games in one week. This next one's from, I'm just going to say, Podrick from uh, Game of Thrones because I can't say what his actual name is here. Uh, my league is debating whether to do double headers or triple headers this year. Can you make the case for each one? Uh, well, I, you know, I can tell you, like, I sent out a note today to my league. We always play double headers. And I sent a bunch of questions about, you know, what different things we could do. We could play triple headers. Um, I, th- I think we're leaning towards doing seven weeks with double headers and then the top four teams advance and don't play head to head for the last two weeks, but total points wins those last two weeks. Uh, so I didn't get a lot of feedback on the double headers versus triple headers. I don't really care. I don't think it's a huge deal. I think f- if you play seven weeks, I feel like 14 matchups is enough. Right. Um, so I, you Maybe. know, I'd rather get as close as I can to the normal number of matchups, normal number of decisions when losses uh, that, that I would get in a full length season. So yeah, I'm fine with either one. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know that whatever that ends up being uh, in one league, a 2014 league of mine, we're going quadruple matchups wow. every <laughs> week, which is still only like, you know, 16%. You're at one, each team playing 16% of the league every week. It's not like, like I think it can get ridiculous some of these leagues that set it up so every team plays every other team every week and it's just like why even you're losing the head-to-head aspect at that point. Um, so you can get carried away with it, but I'd rather have more matchups in a season where that's that's really the biggest problem that you can do something about. The biggest problem is on an individual level, players having skewed numbers, but you can't do anything about that. You just have, you can only control the the luck factor of when a team faces another team. This next one's from Big Pete underscore 88. In a head-to-head points keeper league, would you rather keep Steven Strasburg or Jack Flaherty? Flaherty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't yeah, think it's close. In redraft leagues, I have Flaherty ahead. Jack Flaherty is seven years the younger Steven Strasburg. This next one's from Sean3JS8. 12-team head-to-head points league, six keepers. I'm already keeping Yelich, Bregman, Flaherty, Bieber, and Clevenger. Here are my options for the last one. Pete Alonzo, Nelson Cruz, Lucas Giolito, or Tyler Glasnow? I would keep Giolito. I agree. I would keep uh, Lucas Giolito. Adam? That's fine. I I just want to say that I I think that we've talked so much about not liking the value for Pete Alonzo that it's almost like we say we don't like, and I didn't listen to your first base preview. I'm sorry, but I know what Chris has been saying for months and months and I've agreed with it. It's almost like we don't like the player Pete Alonzo and that's not true. So I don't know that I want to pass him up. The guy hits just set the record for most home runs for a rookie. Giolito's had one good year and what's been a pretty terrible career so far. So I won't argue with you. But I do think it's pretty close between him and Alonzo. And quite frankly, Glass now, too. And quite frankly, Nelson Cruz. <laughs> it's actually really tough. Yeah. Cruz is probably gonna have the Cruz is probably gonna have the best year. Uh, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna take Nelson Cruz. I figure you can find six keepers, like a six keeper for next year, if that's what you're worried about. Uh, so for this year, I think it's Cruz. So Adam, that means you have to considering a keeper league, Cruz loses value relative to a redraft league. That means you should be drafting Cruz ahead of Giolito and Alonzo in a redraft league, and I'm sure you don't. Well, I'm looking at this guy's team. His team is freaking loaded. He has I know. five players who should go in the first 30 picks. I, I, you add Giolito to Flaherty, Bieber, and Clevenger? 
is like you don't even need to draft another pitcher almost. Right, that's, you know that's an amazing you know starting four that could last a long time. By the way, Cruz it, is probably gonna Cruz is Cruz is gonna go last. So don't take Cruz. That's a, that's a bad call by me because you can you have the best chance of drafting him. Um, I would take I would take Giolito. Oh, I guess slightly over Alonzo. This next one's from Jerry in New Jersey. 12-team head-to-head points auction with keepers. His three keepers are Mike Clevenger at $17, Max Muncy at $3, and Max Kepler at $1. My draft plan was to go for the entire Twins lineup. I figure each player of the starting nine will cost on average $10. Then I would go for two of DeGrom, Verlander, or Max Scherzer, and add another top 10 arm like Patrick Corbin or Snell. So ultimately, his lineup would be the Twins. He has Max Muncy as well. And then DeGrom, Verlander, Clevenger is his keeper. And then if he can get another top 10 arm like Patrick Corbin. Is this something you would do, Scott? An entire team's lineup? <laughs> it's gimmicky. Like, I, 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 it's cute. Like, it, could maybe work, but that means you're starting Luis Arias at second base. It means you're starting Byron Buxton as your third outfielder. I don't think either is a great choice in a points league, uh, 12 team points league specifically. And like, you know, if, if, if it turns out Donaldson, I guess he doesn't need a rise if, it turns out if you, he has Muncy, right? He could just use Muncy at second base, but yeah, Buxton it, in the outfield's not great. It, 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 if it turns out you have a chance at like Matt Chapman for $8, are you going to wait and, and see and, you know, risk Josh Donaldson going for 13 or something like that? Just, it just seems pointless to me to do this. And, and it, and, you know, with the head to head aspect, it loading up on this many players from one team, I could see how it actually hurts you. If they just, the twins have a bad week where they don't score many runs. Um, you know, I don't think that's a huge worry in fantasy baseball, but you, I never see a, somebody put together a single team's entire lineup either. I think it might become a worry at that point. All right, now we're going to move into the email questions. Fantasybaseball at CBSI.com. This one's from Tyler. Do you guys have any concerns this season with Juan Soto or Trey Turner in redraft leagues? He notes that the Nationals lineup has taken a hit the past two off-seasons with the losses of Bryce Harper and Rendon. Uh, Soto could lead the league in intentional walks, and opposing teams could make lesser players try to beat them. Uh, could Trey Turner steal less so teams are focused to pitch to Soto more often? Is he overthinking things? I think so. I mean, clearly losing Harper didn't, didn't change the Nationals' fate too much. Uh, I do think they'll be worse this year without Rendon, but they still look like a good team on paper. And when you're as talented as Juan Soto is, I mean, you're going to, you're going to find a way to get yours. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a real concern. I'm not worried about Soto. I am worried about Turner. I I draft him as if I'm not worried about Turner, but like let's let's just face facts. He's played more than 122 games once. He um his OPS in four seasons: 937, 789, 760, and 850. So twice in the last three years, he's had an OPS under 800. You know, I I'm not sure that he's a great hitter. Uh, he might we, just we be found him. We you weren't here for the shortstop preview, Adam. We were all we were in unison about how how underrated Trey Turner is as a hitter. I look, I take him like sixth in Roto, and I take him in the third round in points leagues because you're the guy you're extreme, contributing to that. He's extremely underrated in points leagues, but I do think that fantasy analysts give him a bit of a free pass because he has not been a great hitter in his career. He's been two eight. of the last three last year. He was second at shortstop in head to head points per game. Second among shortstops behind just Bregman two year, uh, 2017. So two of the last three years, he's been uh, like two 2017. He was even better than 2019 on a per game basis. So yeah, that's, he was tied for second with, with Fernando Tatis, Sander Bogarts and Marcus Simeon. So if you're going to tell me how concerned you are about Fernando Tatis all the time, he averaged the same amount of fantasy points per game as Trey Turner. So just with better with better numbers supporting it and more of a track record, but but he's not as good of a power hitter, uh, Turner. I mean, Turner's never had a twenty homer season, and he he look he's gonna be good because he leads off. He is good, but he's got Mm -hmm. two seasons with an OPS over under eight hundred. We just ignore that, I think, and we shouldn't. I don't know that it matters as much in a points league, just because he's gonna get the volume. He'll see the plate appearances. He should score a lot of runs in that lineup as well. So. 
it matters even less than a roto league unless OPS is one of your categories. Right. It, it does. You're absolutely right. It, you know, and he's uh, been last two years, been on pace for about 45 steals, not 60 to 80. Um, again, I take him sixth, but I at least am acknowledging that he's, you know, he hasn't really been that player since his rookie year, at least for a full season. And, uh, you know, just 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 throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. He's been an inconsistent hitter in his career. This next one's from Michael Motorcycle. Dear Randy Johnson, Greg Maddox, Mo Vaughn, and Barry Larkin. Uh, I think these are 1995 award winners. I think you are correct, Scott. And you win the right to answer this question. What <laughs> precautions should commissioners have with their league in regards to recent COVID positive players and swapping them out? Should leagues change to daily lineups or allow newly reported COVID uh, positive players in active lineups for weekly leagues to be swapped out? Say maybe one transaction per week, but then for who on your bench? Or do we just expand active rosters more and not allow COVID swaps so that the positive player doesn't affect your weekly numbers as much? I think the only way you can do weekly like injury swaps midweek, and if you're not, if you're resistant to making it a daily league, and I would personally be, but you know, some people like them. Um, the only way you could do a midweek swap is if the player you're swapping in. Like you keep the stats of the player you're swapping out for the week and remove the stats from the player you're swapping in up to that point. Like the player, you know, you, you get the half week of the player you're swapping out and then the half week of the player you're swapping in and you don't allow someone to decide based on what a player's already done to that point that week. Uh, that's, that's the only way you could do it. And I don't have a problem with it. I actually play in a league with midweek replacements. It's always had midweek replacements. It's, I'm sure, a chore for the commissioner. I'm not the commissioner in that league, so you'd have to ask him. Uh, I, I don't mind it if that's what you want to do. I, I don't plan on making that kind of change in any of my head-to-head leagues. I think it's just, you know, it'll, it'll, I, I imagine it'll be a little more frequent than the typical injury, but, like, injuries happen pretty often themselves, you know, and it's it's just... I, I don't know that we need to treat it that differently from any of the others. All right, let's go rapid fire. See how many of these we could get through. This one's from Chris. Hey guys, quick question. I know you are high on Rich Hill for a head-to-head points league. Would you rather have Rich Hill or Mike Fulton-Nevich? Hill. Hill. This one's from Wesley. Hey Frank, you should bring back. Hey, real quick. Hey, real quick. My keeper league drafted before the pandemic and we're not redrafting. Pickups are now open again. Who should I pick up? Dropping Trey Mancini. 14-team head-to-head categories league with OBP, Eric Hosmer, CJ Crone, Dansby Swanson or Kyle Seeger? The the, the Dansby. Dansby Samsonite. <laughs> what? This next one's from Dumb and Dumber. You haven't seen Dumb and Dumber either, Frank? Oh, I have seen it. I just I haven't watched it in a long time. So another one. Way over the head. This next one's from Trenton. I have a solution for all those people who drafted back in March and February and are asking if they should redraft. I'm in a league I've been in since college. We drafted in early March. Instead of keeping our players, and instead of completely redrafting, we are allowing everyone to keep 10 players they originally drafted, and we are redrafting the rest. It's the perfect solution. (laughs) Scott hates it. I think it's pretty cool. It's the best of both worlds. (laughs) I I got that. Rookie of the year. (laughs) Yeah, I... I, you know, it, it, this this makes sense based on just mock drafts I've done since, uh, you know, since the second draft prep phase began because it seems like the back half of drafts are where results are changing the most as opposed to the first half of drafts, which are pretty much playing out the same way as they did before. So uh, from that context, I get it. I just, I still don't think it's necessary, but like do what you guys want to do. If, if everybody's happy with this, then then do it. If, you know... If there are three or four people in the league who aren't happy with it, then I think probably their opinion counts for more um, because you're denying them something they thought they already had. But, you know, if everybody's on board with it, go for it. From Shane, dear Ross, Renicky, and Girardi, please manage and grade the trade in a 10-team head-to-head points league. Give Eddie Rosario and Tommy Pham, get Charlie Blackman and Marcel Ozuna. Oh, gosh, that's like a... 
home run. That's a A. A plus plus? It's an A. It's it's yeah, I agree. It's an A. All righty. That's it. Happy Fourth of July, everyone. What are you guys doing? Any any plans for the weekend? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I have. Uh, I bought hot dogs today, so I'm gonna make hot dogs. Nice, <laughs> nice, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> he tweeted about the tweet. He tweeted predicting the conversation you guys were gonna have, and he talked about you grilling hot dogs. You graduated not from chicken burgers. Them, <laughs> no, I'm not even gonna grill. Them. I don't have a grill. No, I'm just gonna put this, put them on the stove. Not uh, even like a foreman. Adam's gonna boil no. his hot dogs for Fourth of July. Boiled I graduated. I graduated dogs. college like 15 years ago, Scott. I don't have a George Foreman anymore. Boiled hot dogs. Just no. So we fun. have this place called Walters. If anybody lives in Westchester, uh, Walters hot dogs. They are legendary in Westchester. Everybody in Westchester likes them a little bit too much. As someone who you know has only been here for five years, like they're not as good as people who grew up here think they are. But they are really good. And one store actually sells them. So I bought a pack of Walter's hot dogs. We're going to eat them. It's going to be wonderful. Oh, I didn't buy cheese. Crap. Oh, no, we have oh. cheese. We're okay. We have cheese. Oh. All righty. That'll do it. For Adam and Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching on the Fantasy Baseball Today YouTube channel. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.